HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is proudly brought to you by Culture City, a for-purpose organization that provides a place of acceptance and support for all autism families. For more information, visit culturecity.org. I'm Greg Blaze, host of Cutting the Curd. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Good morning. You're listening to In the Drink on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Joe Campanelli. Uh, we have a very, very special show for you today, and I am excited about it. But uh, before we get started, I wanted to remind you that if you uh, like this episode of In the Drink, you can always listen to previous episodes on uh, heritageradionetwork.org backslash in the drink or on iTunes. Um, even better, if you subscribe, then you'll get them all uploaded automatically, which would be great. Um, I also wanted to let you know that if, uh, if, uh, you want more of me, you can always come visit me at, uh, at our restaurants, Del Anima, Lartuzzi, La Picho, and our wine bar, Anfora. Um, unfortunately, Altalinia is now closed for the season um, as of this past weekend. Um, it was a great run, and thank you all uh, to those of you who have come and uh, sipped a frozen Negroni um, or some delicious wine with us. Uh, one of those wines that we had there that I was very excited about um, was the wine called Prologo from one of my favorite producers uh, in Italy. De, uh, the, the producer's name is De Fermo, and in studio with us today, we have Stefano Papetti Cironi. Uh, yes, hello, everybody. Welcome to In the Drink. Oh, thank you. Thank it's you, so <laughs> exciting to have you here. I'm, I'm very, very happy uh, for you to be in the in the studio. Other than uh, making the uh, De Fermo wines, uh, Stefano and I also work on a project together called Anona, uh, which is also uh, just released uh, a couple of weeks ago here in uh, in New York. And so. Uh, Last time I saw you, we were uh, we were driving around the hills of Loreto Aprentino in, in Abruzzo, yeah. and, uh, and now we're in Bushwick. Yeah, it's fantastic, Joe. It's a, it's a, actually it's like a dream for me to be here because you know we started so uh, a few, few years ago. So to be here with you with Grand Crew Group, it is a it's a very big thing for me and yeah. for for the family actually. 
And uh, yeah, and you have uh, one of our, our best partners when it comes to uh, wine distributor Grand Cru. We absolutely love working with them. Um, so many exciting things. They had many classic, extraordinary quality wines, great wines from Champagne and Burgundy, and now really expanding <laughs> into. Italy and getting really cool producers yeah. who are making more natural wines yeah. uh, as well, like, like, like you guys. I'm so proud to be part of the group of Grand Cru, actually. Great quality wines. <laughs> Yesterday we had uh, the, the portfolio tasting, so I tasted all the colleagues' wine. Great, great, great things, actually. It was fantastic. And so this is your first trip to New York as a visiting producer yeah. doing uh, portfolio tasting. Yeah. And tonight we're going to have a dinner at La Picho. And I should say, uh, if you'd like to meet Stefano in person, between 5 and 8, we will be at uh, Anfora. Um, and we'll do a very casual producer night. So you can, we're going to have all of his wines by the glass, um, including uh, some of the Anona wine that he made by the glass. Uh, and you can just have, have the glass one and, and hang out. Uh, how is that experience for you representing the the winery being here in new york first time ah it's it's uh, quite a, a, a <laughs> weird thing actually because i came in new york a few times with visiting with my family with my wife and be here and be here talking about the wine for me it was a dream actually until a few years ago because we started in 2010 uh, producing a little quantity of wine so uh, being here in uh, after five years actually is, uh, as I told, is a very big thing actually. So it was a dream where I was a, a child, you know, that I started to open bottle at 12 actually, not to drink, but to smell it because I, it was uh, a passion considering that my family is not a farmer family and uh, they, they live in a town, they live in Bologna, that is my born town. And uh, so... Uh, actually, I, I started to to follow uh, wine thing on the new magazine, on cooking magazine of my mom, and and then uh, opening bottles so young, uh, and at eighteen, all my pocket money went to buying bottle and visiting. Actually, were there producer. cooking magazines in Italy back? Yeah, your mom had Italian cook. Uh, that, that that just blows my mind that that would yeah. even exist here. Here we don't have. Too many great traditions of cooking. They think oh. that people are uh, self-conscious, yeah. and uh, and so they uh, look to magazines so much. Mm -hmm. But uh, the fact that yeah, you know, even uh, back then, twenty, thirty years ago, there were there were Italian cooking magazines. Yeah, but still now in in Italy there are three or four uh, weekly magazine. Mm -hmm. Very important for for how tradition. So uh, you you know the long tradition of cooking in Italy. So. Especially in Bologna, very yeah, Bologna. Bologna is a special place for pastas, you know, the tortellini and stuff like that. Actually, but you know that we, I, I went uh, in Abruzzo for for love of my wife, and then uh, I found a very different cook uh, cooking uh, tradition. But uh, it's great, you know, in Italy, twenty two regions have twenty two tradition, different tradition in every region you go. Uh, you can find incredible cooking, uh, incredible uh, from vegetables to everything. Actually, Abruzzo has a very long tradition of uh, of lamb, of lamb and 
fresh stuff. So it was a very great surprise to me. I went in Abruzzo for the first time at 24, actually. I, I, before, I traveled the world a few times with my family. That is, uh, my, my father is a traveler, so I, I went everywhere in the world. And I'd never been in Abruzzo until 24, 25 years old. Then my wife uh, took me for the first time in her uh, native place, and it was my second coup de foudre. It was my second uh, great love, actually. I found a place. It's an incredible place. You, Joe, you came to Loretta Brutino, that you know that is my, uh, the, the true and first L.A. in the world, actually. <laughs> it's true. It existed before L.A. in California. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, it's a fantastic place, actually. It's out of the touristic uh, roadmap in Italy. But this is an, a chance for me today to invite all the people to come in Abruzzo. They will find uh, the glacier and the sea in very close one each other. Mm -hmm. uh, it seems to be New Zealand, told me uh, an Australian friend. I said, no, New Zealand, they seems to be in Abruzzo, actually. And you can find incredible places, actually. Yeah, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but a half hour or 45 minutes to the Adriatic Sea. Exactly. And just beautiful fish that we, we've enjoyed yeah. together many times. <laughs> and then maybe half hour, 45 minutes to the mountains. To the mountain and skiing. And skiing. And then in the, between that, you have extraordinary vineyards and olives yeah. and some plains where there are some really great grains that make extraordinary pasta as well. Yeah. And Loretta Prutino especially is a... <laughs> It's a very famous in Italy, but I think all over the world for the wine passionate because, you know, there's one of the best wine producers in the world that is Valentini's family, very famous for the Trebbiano, Cerasuolo, and Montepulciano. So there's a tradition of producing wine, a very long tradition. I mean, olives more than, mm -hmm. olive oil more than, than wine, but, uh, you know, olive oil market is so difficult. And, uh, and uh, so... Uh, wine, wine is easier, and uh, the, the terroir of Loreto Prutino is 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 great. Consider that um, even if I don't put so much importance on the guides regarding wine, but uh, uh, if you do an exception for for the area of Barolo of Lange and you and also for the Brunello for Montalcino area, the area of Brunello, there are f three four. A little town in Italy that have uh, a lot of high quality uh, producer considered by the guys and Loretta Brutini is one of that like uh, in Friuli there's uh, Cormons that's the area of Cormons on uh, or in Alto Adige so in the very north part of Italy so a few common few few little town that have so much producer Loretta Brutino is a special place and I think but who are the other quality I mean I think Valentini is uh, makes such extraordinary yeah. and expressive wines that probably he uh, pulls a lot of weight, you know, and, yeah. and uh, you know, there could be uh, 10 good producers, but one Valentini is yeah. uh, really special. Um, and then we, we, we love the wines of Torre de Beati, yeah. who's also in, in, in your Loretto. area. In yeah. Loreto, but uh, and are there are there other producers as well? Yeah, outside of Loreto, actually, Loreto, the the uh, part Valentina and Torre de Beati, they they are great people, great wine, organic, and all in Abruzzo is growing a little group of young producer. I mean, under forties like me. <laughs> uh, so there's a a growing group 
In five years, Young will be under 45. (laughs) (laughs) So there are a few little farms that produce more or less 10, 15,000 bottles. They they are doing great wine, actually. And uh, if you come to Abruzzo, you, you, you have to visit them because... Uh, they, they are producing very artisan wine, mm-hmm. so very, very special and with car- a great character, actually. So Abruzzo is very famous for very big productor, very big producer. So also the cooperative, but also other very big producers that do more than millions the bottle. And Montepulciano also, I saw in 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 uh, United States a lot of low low price Montepulciano that are bottled outside our region. Consider that eighty percent of the DOC Montepulciano d'Abruzzo is bottled outside the region, actually. <laughs> so it's not so easy to let the people understand there are very high quality Montepulciano. That's true. I was surprised. We went to a, a what I consider to be a very good quality wine store and. Stefano showed me multiple multiple channels said, see, this one's bottled in Verona, and this one's bottled in, in Piedmont. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I was amazed by, by that yeah. fact. Yeah. But it's growing a very high-quality group of producers mm-hmm. in Abruzzo. So you can find it, I think, also in the United States, a lot of them. Uh, I know a little bit of this story, and, and you touched on it before, but you grew up in, uh, in Bologna, loved wine. <laughs> Even at 18, uh, took a, the Italian sommelier exam, which, from what I understand, yeah. is very challenging exam. Yeah. And you met uh, your beautiful wife from Loretto Aprentino, but immediately the thought wasn't no. to move to... No. No. Actually, uh, the, the, in the first years, we, 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 we get married in 2005 in Loretto Aprentino, and my wife never uh, t- took to me to the vineyard, actually. We, we, we went to the vineyard two years later, and as I told you, it was an incredible heart attack for me because I saw the vines, and it's a special place. It's a special place for me, actually. And for two years, actually, I started to work only during the weekend because I had another, another job, actually, uh, very different. And for a couple of years, I worked the vines uh, just during the weekend. It was like, a, um, I don't know, I had to, to get away. It was my getaway mm-hmm. from the town, actually. Uh, and in 2009, uh, I found, uh, for, for, for a chance, it, w- it was not programmed, I found a very old winery uh, on the underground the, uh, of, of the, uh, the main house of the farm, actually. And I, uh, after that, I, I, um, I knew that the family produced wine since 1785 until 1955. So for 54 years, the winery slept. And in 2009, we, we started to, to restore, just restoring the concrete tanks and, uh, and restoring the, 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 the wall, actually, that are wall on, in stone. And then we started the year after to, to buy two barrels, two big barrels, and we started to an experiment. And we are still continuing experiment every year, actually. And uh, it, when, I, when I found the winery, I, I told to my wife that it was uh, like, um, it was mandatory to us to do something, actually. It was uh, because we cannot, we could not have been... Uh, uh, doing nothing in that place because the, the vines are incredible 
and the, the winery is known to be artisan wine. So it was a forced way to, to do that, actually. And um, working the vines, we started in 2008, uh, actually, uh, with a revolution in the, in the vine. Uh, we, we quit to uh, any fertilization in 2008. We, we quit any treatment with, uh, with the penetrating products. So it was a revolution. Just to, to clarify for everyone, um, the family had made and maybe bottled their own wine until the 1950s, but it maintained the, 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 the vines vine. and sold them off to the co-op. Yes, the co-op or to other, other producers, actually. Mm-hmm. And the important thing that you know, in Italy now, you can find vines uh, also in the highways. So people uh, planted <laughs> vines every, everywhere. But it's important uh, to, to, to study the history of the vineyards to understand where are the correct, the best place to, to, to plant. Uh, it was surprising to me to find uh, documents that uh, attested that the vines are at the Fermos since nine centuries, so it's more than 1,000 years that vines are cultivated in that area of Loretta Portino. So it's so important. It it was a challenge to me in 2009, 10, when for the first time my friend Francesco Valentini came to the vines and he told me, remember, Stefano, that the best vines in in LA are the Fermos one. So it was a great challenge to me because I had to do good stuff, actually. Wow. I want to, uh, we're going to have to take a quick break, but when we come back, I want to hear yeah. more about those early years, especially your friendship with uh, Valentini. Okay. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Dave Arnold from Cooking Issues, and I'm here to talk to you about the Museum of Food and Drink, which is finally getting a brick and mortar space right here in Brooklyn, New York. So the Museum of Food and Drink is opening the MOFAD Lab, our first laboratory and gallery space, where we will be putting on an exhibition called Making It or Faking It, the history of the flavor industry. And it tackles a very important uh, topic, which is how the food system got to be the way it is now uh, as a result of the intervention of the flavor industry, how that happened. Get your tickets at tickets.mofad.org to come see the first exhibit ever of the Museum Museum of Food and Drink at the MoFad Lab, brought to you by Infinity on 62 Bayard Street. Today's program is proudly brought to you by Culture City, a for-purpose organization that provides a place of acceptance and support for all autism families. This is Culture City's founder, Julian Maha. Culture City was really born out of uh, necessity. You know, it was born when my, uh, you know, currently six-year-old boy was diagnosed with autism. Uh, his name is Abram and he's non-verbal. And even though my wife and I were both physicians at the time, it was really hard for us to find any resources at that point to help him. All the other organizations out there that we know of, um, they do phenomenal work, but their main focus is basically finding a cure for autism. Our main focus is basically trying to prepare the community to accept not only children with autism, but their families as well. You know, in addition to that, we also want to provide help to these families in the here and now. 
you know, so tangible things like, you know, iPads for nonverbal kids, you know, financial scholarships, uh, therapy scholarships, you know, art camps, and also some um, lecture series that can teach parents about, you know, dietary issues, um, you know, how to financially plan and things like that. For more information, visit culturecity.org. All right, and we are back in, on In the Drink. I'm here with Stefano Papetti Cironi of DeFermo. And just a reminder um, if you guys are around 5 to 8 uh, o'clock tonight, you can stop by Anfora and we will uh, be doing a producer night with Stefano. Uh, just come by, have a glass of wine, and, uh, and hang out with us. Um, as I said before, Stefano's wines uh, are, are very brand new to, uh, to New York um, and only uh, new, new to Italy as well. Only uh, five years or so they've been making wine. So if you taste them now, this will be like seeing, you know, Bob Dylan at Cafe Wa in the West Village, you know, seeing the band before they got big. I, I anticipate uh, really great things. Thank you, Joe. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to talk to you uh, before we left for the break. You um, you were talking a little bit about a uh, a local producer, uh, Francesco Valentini, <laughs> who I think makes the, some of Italy's most distinctive and extraordinary uh, wines. And his rosé, the Cerasuolo, is uh, a wine that uh, I, I I can never fully wrap my head around. It it just is uh, one of the most intriguing, certainly delicious, but uh, extraordinary wines and. Uh, early on when you started uh, working down there, um, you, you started up somewhat of a friendship. Yeah, actually, I, I knew Francesco after my starting of working in the vine. And uh, Francesco is one of the examples uh, of perfect correspondence between the vine, the wines and the producer. Actually, he's a person that continued to do a lot of research uh, on himself, on his vines, and on the on the wines, actually. He's very serious and deep. You know that his father was the most, probably, most famous vigneron uh, in Italy, yeah. Eduardo. But the mm-hmm. son that started at 18 to doing wine is, is, not, is not less <laughs> deep than the father, actually. And when we started, uh, we started with the prologue that is Montepulciano. After, after that, uh, Francesco um, told me, you are, in L- you are in L.A., you have to do a serious Cerasuolo, that you know that is the rosé wine done by Montepulciano grape. So um, he suggested me uh, more or less how to do that. So <laughs> in a very artisan way, actually doing, choosing new, uh, choosing big barrels and nobody, we are three in, in the whole region to do Cerasuolo in big barrels, fermenting in big barrels, obviously without add anything to the fermentation. Um, Wait, who's the other one? You, Valentini, and uh, a little producer that is named Giuliano Pettinella, and the, the, he produces just two, two thousand bottles of Cerasuolo, and mm-hmm. I think that is the best Cerasuolo you can find actually in Abruzzo, two thousand bottles. But it's fantastic. Tauma is the name of of the wine, but it's impossible to have it abroad because <laughs> just two thousand bottles fl- go, goes away very fastly. Actually, and it's fantastic. And uh, Cerasuolo is is my favorite wine actually because it's a traditional wine everyday wine of the yeah. of the farmers actually 
uh, and it's the gastronomic wine, I think, because you can have it with more or less everything on the table if you play with temperatures. You can have it with also with pizzas and pastas. It's perfect matching with tomatoes, actually. And uh, we, we believe in 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 uh, uh, growing up with the consideration of of, of Cerasuolo that have been so uh, under under I don't know under under, under considered by the people because the, the big producer do it like, with Sagné procedure. So they do the the, Cerib, the last important wine of the right. wineries in Abruzzo is the rosé. While if you do if you do seriously, is the most difficult to has to 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 have it because the fermentation are more difficult to respect the Montepulciano and also the whites so for us is the for the, is our perfect boy in the winery actually yeah i am I'm, I'm with you i absolutely love cherisola another cherisola that you can't find here mm-hmm. in the states uh is the Emilio pepe cherisola oh yeah I think that all the Abruzzo's producers should do a monument to Emilio Pepe and his family because they promoted and they took uh, to United States all, and all over the world the high-quality wines from Abruzzo, uh, promoting with with great sacrifice of travels. And, and so I think that Pepe's family should have a monument by, done by the, the vigneron uh, of Abruzzo, actually. I would certainly support that. I, I am a fan, and I have, we have come to know each other really at the, yeah. at the recommendation of the Probably. Pepe family. Exactly. Um, when I was looking to, uh, to, do my, uh, to work on Anona, the, the project, they said, you must, you must meet Stefano. And I think the first time we met, uh, actually, I got lost in Loretto Apertino <laughs> and was concerned. <laughs> Maybe Stefano was like, I don't want to work with this it's guy. It's not so easy to get lost in Loretto Apertino, but you did it. I managed to do it. <laughs> Somehow, um, but yes, thank thank you to the the Pepe family. Uh, oh, amazing! Yeah. Tell them next time to uh, bring the Cherasuolo to to New York because there's no Cherasuolo here. There's no Cherasuolo. Wow! Here. Yeah. Wow! What a pity. He thinks actually. that Emilio uh, uh, believes that the Cherasuolo is not as great as his other wines, and mm-hmm. thinks that America should only have the best wines. Wow! Well, but well, I disagree. I love. I it. disagree too. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I love it. great. So uh, one of the things that I admire so much about uh, the way that you guys work in, in the vineyards and also in, in the winery is that you uh, work in the most natural way mm-hmm. possible. And I think yeah. the wines are so expressive uh, because of that. Is that something that you'd always envisioned like from the moment you're like, we're going to work. I, I love this vineyard and I'm also going to work in the most natural way or right. because it's more, it's very, it's more work by hand. It's more challenging. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but it's a nice, I think that is a natural consequence to, to producing natural wines. If you work the vines in, in, in the way we work, actually, if you do seriously biodynamic or organic uh, agriculture in the vineyard, I think that is an assumption, is a natural consequence to have wines done without interferences between between uh, the, the terroir and the bottle, actually. The, the goal of, of, of natural producer is to do wines without interferences. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I cannot guarantee that each vintage, each uh, vintage should be should be the maximum. I don't know, but we have to respect 
we have to respect the vintages. So that, for example, in 2013, we had problems. So we, we will have 50% of Prologo respect in 2012 uh, because we had, uh, we had we decided to produce less um, and for a moment, we, we decided, we thought that 2030 will never get become prologo, but something else. And we 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 gave time to the wine in mm-hmm. the winery, actually. But as I told you, it's a natural consequence. So uh, also this year, that after six years, we had for the first time some little problem in in fermentation. I mean, Montepulciano went so high high temperature because we do not control the temperature, so. Uh, the fermentation seems to be stopped for a week, and my wife <laughs> can witness that I, I didn't sleep for a week, actually, because it was terrifying to me, because I was thinking to lose the world production of, of Montepulciano 2015, that is great. After a week, and this is the, the, the beauty things producing wine, is the fermentation process that is, uh, I think, that is not, you cannot explain at hundred percent. Also, the the major scientists mm-hmm. or enologists or winemakers cannot explain exactly what happens at hundred percent in fermentation. So that this year, after a week of sleeping, the wines uh, awaken and now finish the finish the fermentation the day before I came to New York. So it was a great yeah, a great thing. A to good be. relief for you before you oh, got yeah. on the flight. Yeah, but he's. Is suffering, but it's the beauty things of in terms of the wine. temperature increasing in mm-hmm. the barrel. How long does that last? And is there an arc and it comes back down? Yeah. Or how 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 does that happen? Is how, it slow at first and then it peaks very high and then comes down? So it's beautiful. It's beautiful because you cannot uh, say every year what is going to happen. So. In the, during the last year, the, ferment, the temperature went up very slowly, had uh, some peak, in a, and then goes, uh, went down. This year, in a couple of days, it, it started at 18, more or less 18 Celsius, and it went to 37. I mean, that is the maximum. After that, the, the, yeast, uh, the yeast is starting to, to suffer a lot. But in a couple of days, it was so fast. But it depends on on the day of the harvest, mm-hmm. probably because we we did the harvest after uh, uh, two days of very hot. Uh, it was very hot days, and probably we, we we should have waited a couple of days more to to do the harvest of Montepulciano. But you know, it's it's a it's a lesson. Every year we we learn something. Yes. We learn something. Oh, even even. Francesco Valentini that has a lot of vintages every year he, he learns something because if you work naturally you cannot manage the, th- the thing but you learn learn something and it helps you right you can only manage physically not exactly right you can, exactly you can choose when you're picking or uh, how you're doing it but you you can't add anything to if it if we need to 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 have low temperature we open north windows of the winery and we hope that the fresh air of the night get down the temperature but we have no chance to 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 control neither the temperature actually no i know that you're close friends with some other producers yeah. who make wine in the a similar idea to what, to yeah. what you do is there a very uh 
uh, a big group of Italian producers who have the same idea? Are you yeah. have a, a close group of friends? Do you share a lot of yeah. information and ideas? I mean, when when I started, I started. Uh, I had some myth of Vigneron. I had some. I, you know, I, I I was used to read magazine and going to fairs and wineries. And uh, when I started to producing to producing wine, one of the most beautiful things I had was the meeting with this kind of people. Uh, I mean, uh, a beautiful woman like Elena Pantaleone or Elisabetta Foradori that uh, um, they accepted me immediately and they share their their they think about producing wine so i learned by them talking and uh, after after a few years they still continue to 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 share with me and ask the, the, the weird thing that someone asked me how to do some stuff in the winery actually that is sounds so strange to me because i i am the kid of the group actually but it's growing this growing uh, i think that the future of the wine uh, is doing like that. I think it's an assumption for everybody that wants to start to work seriously in the wine is working in that way, mm-hmm. uh, very naturally in the winer and in also in the winery. And in Italy, I think that the market of wine is a, is a great crisis, but it's a crisis of the big producer, the little producer or uh, medium producer that works seriously they have no problem to sell their wine because their wine uh, you can recognize it just smelling and and because they have character so because i think that the goal is to have wine that have a character so in are individual and they are genuine so you can drink a bottle without any problem obviously alcohol is a problem <laughs> but but uh, your body recognizes the good wines mm-hmm. actually and I know that a lot of friends that start to drink natural wine can cannot go back and drink conventional wine actually because their body did, uh, does not accept anymore that wine I, b- I believe that mm. I really do I think that um, people complain of, uh, of red wine making them feel better or, or yeah. sulfites or whatever it is but I think it is uh, it is really all the other gunk that goes yeah. into uh, not naturally made wine mm. that that makes you feel that, and you don't know what that is. It doesn't have to say on the back of the label or anything. But exactly. when you have a, a real wine, a true wine like yours that is made uh, cleanly without any additives, um, you, you still you feel great the day after, uh, yeah. and you feel great the night of. And um, I think your wine has a ton of character, or your wines have a ton of character, um, and and I love them, and I'm so happy that you're here. <laughs> Thank you, Joe. I'm happy too. Um, unfortunately, the time just flew away. So um, to continue the conversation, as I said, come to Anfora tonight. We're going to have a lot of fun, uh, five to eight o'clock. Um, and otherwise, look for uh, look for Defermo wines. Um, they're at tons of great restaurants now um you can find them at charlie bird at del posto um and thanks so much to to grand crew for having the foresight to bring in great yeah. great producers uh such as de fermo uh, i love the work that you guys are doing uh, thanks to all of you guys for listening and especially big thanks to uh our producer joy morales and jack insley who runs stuff around here with Aaron uh and eloisa 
Ciao. 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 Thanks, Thanks for listening. This has thank been. Thank you. Thank you, thank Stefano. You. Ciao, Joe. In the drink on heritageradionetwork.org. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.